Are you ready for getting back to normal? And what is normal? For many of us, the effects of the pandemic have been going on for so long that we can't quite remember what normal is anymore. So as we start to unlock society here in the UK and begin thinking about how we're going to re-engage with our most important contacts at our key accounts, many of whom we won't have seen for over a year, how ready do you feel to hit the ground running? Have you thought about who you need to see first and what you want to achieve and how you will need to adapt? Well, in this episode of CamCast, I welcome back my good friend and fellow Cam activist Warwick Brown. And we set about answering some listener questions and talk about some common themes that we're hearing with our clients at the moment. Our aim is to pause and reflect on what we may need to do to be match fit for the next normal and fast track the performance of our most important customers. We'll be talking about how do we engage with C-suite decision makers, how can we sense check our understanding of the decision making process and structures within an organisation and then fill any gaps that we might have, and what will the next normal look like and what will we need to do to adapt and change as we re-emerge into society. Welcome to CamCast. I'm your host, David Ventura, a key account management consultant at camguru.com. In this podcast, we explore the strategies, systems, and skills you need for effective key account management. We talk to expert guests and business leaders, sharing the tips, tactics, and techniques for looking after your most important customers. This is Key Account Management Made Easy. So, Warwick, welcome back to CamCast. <laughs> Thank you for having me back. <laughs> hey, listen, I had to have you back because feedback was, uh, Warwick was great. Really enjoyed that episode. I've had many people tell me. So, I don't want to blow too, blow too much smoke in your direction, but, you know, kudos. Uh, you're up there with the best of them. Uh, okay. So, so we had to have you back, and um, and we've been talking, I guess, about you know what's hot at the moment, what's topical, what do our listeners want to be thinking about, talking about, hearing about, and here we are, sort of as the country here in the UK is starting to unlock, organisations are starting to think about how we go back to some version of normal. There's been a lot of talk in the last year about what is normal and what is the new normal. I think we need to be starting to think about the next normal. I don't think we're there yet. I think there are going to be iterations of normality that will ensue over the next few months and we've got to figure out what we like, what we don't like, what we want to maybe keep from pandemic times and that will never go away. But there's certainly a lot of talk with with my clients, I don't know about yours, about, you know, well, we're going to get out there, we're going to start seeing customers again. What do we need to have in our minds? What do we need to be doing differently? And what's our what's our objective? What, what, what's been the sort of discussion with your clients at the moment, Warwick? What, what, are, what are people saying about getting back out there? Definitely, you know, the, the world is starting to move to the next normal, as you say. And I think there's a lot of people wondering, what does that look like? You know, you have to overlay the whole organizational transformation that's probably gone on in your company. You know, the, yeah. the digitization, the shifting of roles. Roles, uh, whether the roles are there that used to be there, whether your role itself has changed, what the dynamic looks like with your team. You know, we're, we've put a lot of those things on hold for so long. I've got clients that have never met their teammates ever, in the, mm. even their manager in the first person, because yeah. everything's been done virtually. A lot of informal relationships that aren't in place, some of the things that you need to have there to get things done. So I think trying to navigate all of that is a big concern you know, when you still have to deliver, you know, you've got to still deliver on the revenue and the retention and, and uh, keep it on the prize. 
Yeah, it's like there are two there are two levels of reintegration. There's the reintegration to the business because you've been so absent from your team, and then there's the reintegration with with clients as well. One of the things that I've heard quite a lot throughout the the pandemic is that particularly in the early months last year that actually people were easier to get hold of because everyone was static. Uh you know, travel time was 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 gone. So people, we could get hold of them. We could have Zoom calls. We could we could have calls and things like that. And now we're perhaps getting back to a time where you know more important decision makers are yet again harder to get hold of. Is that something you're hearing? Are people in in your in your customer base worried about maybe getting in contact with you know decision makers and particularly C-suite decision makers? And how do we in, engage them again? Absolutely. And uh, actually, there's been some recent surveys done. I can't remember who by, might have been Rain Group. Anyway, I'll, I'll share the link with you. But talking yeah. about actually trying to get a hold of people is actually more difficult now. We've kind of, at first it was a novelty, you know, people hadn't really embraced virtual ways to connect, but now everyone's all over it like a rash. And now there's meeting after meeting after meeting, Zoom fatigue, as they call it. Mm-hmm. And it's easy to no-show to a meeting. If you're in the lobby, it's a, yeah. a lot more difficult to say, I'm not going to make the meeting, but actually just to not turn up to something that's in your calendar when you're a, you know, a, a client and you've just got some supplier meeting, you just think, oh, forget it, I'll, I won't go. So actually trying to find ways to connect, I think people are probably quite rusty thinking about how do I how do I get in front of the C-suite? How do I get in front of decision makers? How do I stand out above the noise? Do you think there's an element of people not seeing or understanding the value in the call itself. So, because um, I think you're right, there was there was so much talk about, you know, how's things going on in your world? What's COVID like for you in the early days? And now all that's gone and we, we don't really want to talk about it anymore. It's still there. We're still going through it, but we've, we're have we bored and tired of talking about it. And then Zoom fatigue, as you said, is, is kicked in. Is it that we're just not quite seeing or, or selling the value of the call? People not getting, well, why should I take a call from you? Do you think that's yeah. it? Mine is what it boils down to. Yeah. I mean, I speak to my clients all the time. They don't send agendas. They don't. They assume the subject line of the meeting is enough. That that <laughs> defines the full ninety minutes of the meeting. And you think, well, what a QBR? A, that is not an agenda. You know, yeah, that, that's, and it's also just a three-letter acronym. That's a terrible yeah. subject line for a meeting, Me- right? <laughs> means nothing. Means yeah. nothing. And when you think about the decision-making process, how complicated it is. You think about the digitization, the virtual, you know, way that we've been working for the last uh, 12 months or more. Clients don't want to talk to you. They like to do things on their own. You think about when you make a purchase, if you don't have to talk to somebody in the shop, if you can just do it all through Amazon or online through eBay or whatever else you use, your online supermarket, your, your Whole Foods, if I don't have to speak to a person, I am happy. If I can make a decision all on my own and get what I need without talking to somebody, I'm happy. And that applies whether you are a, a consumer trying to get their you know, quinoa or whether you are a, a procurement manager looking to purchase something for their supply chain. So we've really got to find ways to really make that reason to turn up why they should say yes, compelling, yeah. and remind them. I see, I've talked to clients who don't even reconfirm meetings you know, and then they find out they've just, I'm like, just because it's in the diary doesn't mean that your client cares, has noticed, is clear on what they're supposed to do, knows why they're turning up. You have to always uh, continue to follow up, always remind people why they're being there, what they're going to talk about, what they need to prepare, um, and remind them of the value of attending. 
Yeah, I remember once uh, being told by someone that they never reconfirm meetings because statistically that's the point that most people will say, oh, actually, can I reschedule or I can no longer do that time. So they didn't want to get back in touch. They'd rather turn up and hope that that person was going to be available than reconfirm and give them an option to reschedule or, or back out. And I remember saying at the time, I was like, well, surely that just says that you what you've sold in and the meeting in the first place wasn't mm. particularly secure. Uh, yeah. you know. well, <laughs> have you really shown the value of the meeting happening if you basically are sort of tricking you're tricking your, your guests into attending yeah. or hoping that out of guilt or surprise they will turn up to that actual meeting on the day rather than use your reconfirmation as an opportunity to back out yeah. they should be chasing you going hey super excited for our meeting tomorrow we're still on right yeah versus you know hoping that you've both forgotten <laughs> yeah and the word hope just keeps coming up. Is it's, it's yeah. that hopium addiction just yeah. keeps keeps coming back? Yeah. What about so? Let's talk about the subject heading for a, for a great meeting. Mm. What are the best ones you've seen? What, what what does a great subject heading look like? There's a difference between subjects and marketing. Mm-hmm. I'm a big fan of saying what it says on the tin. You know, like people are busy. I don't want to have to guess what that meeting's about. It's in my diary for Thursday next week. I want to know. But what I think is really a great way to position a a meeting is to ask a question. You know, if you can turn your agenda into a a question. So instead of a quarterly business review, firstly, I don't like that, that, you know, call it something sexy, strategic planning workshop, future blueprint workshop or something like that. Or just sexy, sexy quarterly meeting. Maybe that's Sexy quarterly meeting. Yeah. Yeah. Does what it says on a tin, right? But I think just (laughs) instead of saying, say, quarterly business review and assuming everyone knows we're going to look at the last quarter, say, question, how do we re-pivot our account plan to get this done faster or decision versus think about the meeting intent, you know, is it or the agenda item? Is it to get a decision made? Is it to inform people? Is it to educate people? Is it to get updates? But I think if you can just make your subject line reflect the overall goals of the meeting, Mm -hmm. quality business review, deciding fate of project XYZ or whatever, you know what I mean? Yeah. And that kind of leads in, I guess, to what we were just saying about engaging C-suite. Because, So in my experience, C-suite want you to get to the point and get to the point quick. And if you can get to the point of your meeting in the subject heading of the meeting invite, then that's got to be a win-win, right? Yeah. Everybody needs to know why they're there. Um, Have people there for the whole meeting if they don't need to be there. Mm -hmm. Um, And what a common pitfall for young players is You'll send the invite to your key contact. I might say, David, let's meet next week uh, to do the business review. Then they forward it on to 10 other people. Now, you get notified because you're the host. You don't find out who those 10 people are. You don't know why that person's forwarded it on. You don't bother to look them up on LinkedIn. So you walk into a room or onto a Zoom call with 10 strangers. And, and suddenly the meeting just goes completely off piece because you haven't spent the time to follow up with those individuals. Hi, why have you, uh, I see that someone says forwarded you the invitation. Great to see you there. What are you hoping to get out of that meeting? Mm. Just something as simple as that will get you a long way in terms of, you know, the, the value from that. Camcast, key account management made easy. So let's think about C-suite because, so I get asked this all the time and I know you do uh, mm. as well. And it's often a question about, 
you know, C-suite are so different to what I'm used to and they're really big and they're really scary and they're really important and I don't know how to engage with them. Mm -hmm. And, you know, some of our listeners will be, you know, thinking to themselves, my team say stuff like that and I know that that's a fear, you know, and yet, you know, some of our chief exec listeners to the show will be thinking, but I'm just a, just a normal guy. I'm a normal yeah. girl. I'm, I'm, I'm a normal person that, you know, you should be able to communicate with me. Why, why is it such a struggle? And yet yeah. I also get why it's such a struggle. There is a fear that kicks in. Let's brainstorm some ideas. Let's, let's have some thoughts on best ways to engage with a C-suite executive who is, maybe we haven't met them before at all. Well, I mean, there's a lot to unpick. I think part of that is positioning yourself as a peer. A lot of account managers are reactive. They're the ones that do the training, the the low-level stuff, and they don't see themselves as equals. And I'm not saying you're equal of a CEO or president of a company, but you are a strategic partner. You're the one with the vision, the goals, the insights, and can get them better results. If you think like that, then you're like, I don't care who's in front of me. I know I can help them. So that's number one. Believe in yourself and believe in your expertise and stop doing the daily crap if you shouldn't be doing it. Give yeah. that to the person that should be doing it and focus on the strategic conversations. I think number two is if you are just being told we need to have C-level relationships, we need to talk to executives, why don't you know enough senior people? You're not going to get anywhere because there's no strategy behind the invitations to talk. There's no strategy behind you building out your network. And if you've found a decision maker that can get you everything you need, maybe you don't even need a relationship at the C-level. So be really informed and clear on why you are connecting with those people. And then three is finding something that they care about, care to talk about. Mm. It's kind mm. of as simple as that. Like if they're not just going to be want to say like, hi, we want you to talk. We want to meet with you about our business review. They've got people in place for that. That's what middle management's for. So you've got to find the hook. Yeah. Just going back to your first point there mm. about, you know, you just getting more comfortable with it and owning that space. I remember uh, one of the early courses that I attended when it came down to prospecting and cold calling. One of the lines was to put the sound in your voice that you know the decision maker, right? So when you get through to someone on the phone, you want to sound like you know them or you want to sound like you're credible enough that you should be talking to them. Why Mm. wouldn't you want to be, why wouldn't they put you through sort of thing? If we translate that now into, you know, in a meeting with a C-suite, then actually it's putting the feeling in yourself that you belong does that make yeah. sense i i, I yeah, think yeah, yeah. You, you you totally need to own that space feel like you belong and you know it's a bit of it a bit of fake it till you become it right so even if you don't don't think you belong in that space you've got to just pretend for long enough that it starts to become natural yeah you've earned your seat at the table because you know your solution and how that can help your client better than they do mm. way better than they do Mm. They might go out to tender for your particular type of supplier every three, four, five, ten years. You're dealing with this day in and day out. You're implementing new customers across different verticals. They're using your solutions in different ways. You've got benchmark data. You've got different points of view around how your solution can get them better results faster. So you know your stuff way better than they do, no matter what they might pretend to say or you know what they might think or what they might say to you. So, mm. yeah totally believe that you have earned the right to be at that table and have that conversation and practice on your own internal leaders i mean some you might have never spoken to the gm you might like look away as they walk down to get their cup of coffee or you might never talk to the cfo in your own business if you don't have the nerve to talk to some of your own senior leaders you'll never get across the line with a client so make an effort to 
connect with your own senior people as practice. It's an easy way to get started and more comfortable. And actually, one of the things that you can do internally is to practice your questions. Because questions play a big part of any meeting that you might have anyway, particularly with a new contact. I think this is sort of preconception that you need to go in with all the answers. You know, as an account manager or salesperson, I need to go in prepared to be able to answer all these questions and pitch my solution, my product. When in reality, actually, chief execs and other C-suite executives respond really, really well to great questions and not yeah. like the sort of bog standard off the shelf questions like what keeps you up at night. You know, mm-hmm. we, we know that a C-suite yeah. doesn't really like answering a question like that. No. You know, it's an instant trigger warning. But, you know, you know, really, really great questions that are insight led and that demonstrate that you know what you're talking about and demonstrate that you've researched and you know you said there about finding a hook that's going to come down to research and then there's a balance isn't there between you know how much research is too much research you know do we get into the law of diminishing returns where we know this business and it's you know press releases inside out beyond the point that we probably needed to uh, is there yeah. a sweet spot do you think for for the right amount of research to do you're right you don't you don't need to know anything i liken it to like being at a cocktail party you're not going to get that deep into any kind of conversation. You're just going to mill around the room, grabbing volivants and sh- free champagne and you know, talk, <laughs> dropping a little headline here and there and then getting them to do all the talking. And it doesn't matter that you're ignorant on the details because that's the point of asking the question. Uh, so you're right. I think it's the right questions. Don't ask them something you could have figured out on your own because that's a waste of the opportunity. Find something they care about through your research. And when you find it, Ask the question. A great place for that kind of research is just the professional services firms, the management consultants, you know, the KPMGs, the Deloitte's, the PwC's, the EY's, the Oliver Wyman's. They all publish global CEO, CTO, CRO, CSO, CMO, CIO, CHRO studies on future forecasts and trends and temperature checks on what those leaders are thinking. You can pluck a zillion questions from any of those and say, oh, I saw a Deloitte study the other week about blah, blah, blah. What do you think? Done. Conversation rolling. Super easy. Don't have to even have read the report. You could have skimmed to page 26 and then clipped a chart and done. And and then you can let them do all the talking while you chow down on the volivants. And and chances are they wouldn't have read the 68-page report because they're too busy. So the fact that you've highlighted something interesting for them out of that and started a conversation, they'll probably really appreciate. Yeah, I love the idea of chowing down on volophons. I mean, that's given me a real yeah, me too. Why else go? 1980s dinner party feel <laughs> going on there. Uh, like love it. Prawn cocktail. That's it with the Mary Rose sauce uh, <laughs> on the top. Listen, we've had a question come in from one of our listeners, and I love it when listeners get in touch. So anyone out there thinking, you know, I've got a question, please do jump on the website, get in touch and send us your questions. We can answer them in another episode. This one was one that links in really to this getting in touch with new contacts because it's all about the decision making structure. And the question was, how do we gain a better understanding of the people and decision structures within key accounts? And then, of course, you know, what are our tips for the most effective strategies for engaging them, which we've just touched on? So, you know, let's think about that. I mean, you said yourself just now that, you know, do we need to talk to C-suite or is there a decision maker that we're already 
connected with and they've got the the buying power we don't really need to go higher so how do we how do we get that how do we get to understand the decision making structure within an account what, what what are your thoughts i mean it's really complicated even budget holders don't always make decisions i've had budgets and then it's all been suddenly i've got to have it second guessed or second even when i've had something approved three months later i've had to have it reapproved before i actually pull the trigger on you know signing the check so it can be really complex especially in big organizations so number one the first place i start is can i have your org chart just ask just yeah. want to make sure that we know everybody we need to know and that they're profiled in the back office or in the, the system so that yeah. they're flagged as executives. Second, how do decisions get made around here? Mm-hmm. I ask. Uh, yeah. then I, I, I'm, so I'm going to jump in. I'm going to jump in because there's, <laughs> two, there's, there's two things you said there and I love. And it's just so, yeah. They're so important. The first thing is asking for the org chart, right? The amount of times I've said to people in training rooms, ask for an org chart. And the response is, oh, people won't give us an org chart. And I say, have you ever asked for one? And they say, no. <laughs> and I just think, then where is this? What? Where is this limiting belief that people won't mm. give us org charts? Yeah. Like, and if they say no, they say no. It doesn't mean that we're going to get kicked out of the office because we ask such a incredibly rude question. Uh, you know, yeah. if they if they don't have to give it to us, if they don't want to, they're not going to. But what's stopping us from asking? So, so I think that's so important, and we we yeah. really should drive that message home. Ask for the org chart. The other thing I would say when you're asking for the org chart is, you know, one of the nicest ways I find is grabbing a piece of paper and a pen and saying, would you mind just drawing out the org chart for me so that I understand it, right? Now, either the client will grab the pen and start scribbling or they'll say, even better than that, I've got one, I'll print it out for you now and you can take it with you. So, so, So on the org chart there. And what was the next thing you said? No, I've completely forgotten because I got so passionate uh, about uh, that. How decisions get made around here? Thank you. Yes, sorry. Yes. Yeah. So the question being a how question rather than a who question. Yeah. So often the question that people go to ask is who makes the decision around here or who signs off mm. the check. Yeah. And that has potential to offend. Right. It's sort of like if I'm sat in front of you now, Warwick, and you are the decision maker, it's your business, you're the head honcho. And I say, so who who signs the checks around here? You might be a bit like, well, me, you idiot. And surely you know that. Otherwise, why are we talking? And, you know, conversely, if you're not the decision maker, then I'm just reminding you that you're not the decision maker. And that might feel uncomfortable as well. So so this how is the decision going to get made or what is your decision making process? I think it's a much better question. Do you agree? Yeah, absolutely. And because it's complicated and people make different decisions for different things. And sometimes it's by committee, even though they might necessarily be the ones that signed off of they may still be involved. But also just on that point around, you know, org charts and things like that, when you're dealing with big companies, you're going to have different business units. You're going to have complicated hierarchies with cost centers and purchase order numbers and approval processes and approval limits. So it's not out of the realm of possibility to to ask for the org chart because you're going to have to have, you're going to have to map the org chart to the way that you've got it reflected in your system, to the approval limits that you have in place for the um, the users, for the cost centers, for the finance, for the billing, for all of those, for the purchase cards, all those types of things that all feed into, you know, how you do business. It's not like you just issue one invoice with with just a one line item on it if you're in a big company delivering across to big global companies. So you almost need it just to make sure you stay on top of who's who and who gets what and make sure it stays current with what's in the system. So it should be a no-brainer, to be honest. But yes, absolutely. I think how questions are great because you're not 
you're just learning. You want to find out how things get done. And it's from genuine interest, not because you've got something to shift, just because you want to know how things happen. So you remove the friction if there's any, if you see any. Yeah. So I interrupted you on your points. Was there a, was there another one coming? No, no, no. That's it. Oh, well, I got I got a lot more up my sleeve, David. But, um, <laughs> I, I, I'll park that. But I didn't okay. I didn't want to limit you, Warwick. Yeah. I know when you start waxing lyrical, it can go on in a good in a good way. <laughs> I mean, just going back to I guess what we were talking about earlier about the the, the next normal and and what engagements are going to start looking like. And and I I keep saying to people this is theory at the moment because we don't know how things are going to play out and we don't really know where the next normal is going to find its equilibrium. But what are your theories at the moment? What are your views in terms of what's going to happen next in customer engagements? Look, I think there's going to be a lot of pressure on the workforce. A lot of jobs have gone. For the, for the industries that have suffered, they're working on a much smaller workforce. For the industries that are thriving, they probably haven't kept up with the headcount they need to do to be successful. You know, virtual recruitment, onboarding people is very difficult, finding the right teams. So I think no matter whether you've been thriving or surviving, uh, it's going to be tough. And then you overlay that with the complexity of what how your client has been impacted by all of this. There's going to be a lot of unpicking t- and, and the resources they may have. Like you might be fine. Maybe you've got a full complement of account managers and customer success people and you're ready to go, like hit the switch. And your client's like, oh, well, we've just had to let this team go and we've got a restructure company and oh, the axe is falling. We don't know what's going to happen. So you've got a lot of things to be mindful of in terms of em- being empathetic to where your client is at and also to yourself to, to sort of know what is happening and achievable within your business. And the problem is, or the, the difficulty will be, you may have to balance that against expectations because mm. you may have committed to things or you may be told by your business, you've got to deliver this. But there may be some distance with the, with the reality. You know what I mean? So I think it's important that you really be mindful of that as well when you're getting back out to those conversations and really trying to ignite a, a, and get things rolling. I don't know where you all, you guys all are in terms of how successful you've been implementing your account plans, making progress against your account plans. If it, if there've been modest ambitions because you've sort of thought, oh well, it's you know the global pandemic. Let's just you know not mm. not be so hard on ourselves. Or if you've been crushing it and you're ready to uh, elevate your, your your goals, but I suspect most people from what I've been who I've been talking to, they haven't been particularly ambitious the last twelve months. It's been a nice old excuse to go. Let's just put the brakes on things. Let's not put, be too hard on ourselves. But you're gonna have to play catch up at some point. Yeah, I think and, that's going to be the challenge. And maybe some people who have been doing well could be experiencing some level of survivor guilt to some extent. So there's a little bit of that going on. I'm I'm hearing about. There's also a little bit of, as you say, you know, taking your foot off the gas a little bit. Perhaps survival has been the goal, uh, rather than just rather than getting to the point of thriving. We've just been thinking about getting through it, and now we're coming out the other end, and maybe there's some catch up at play. There's been some, I suppose, logistical questions that I've been hearing about how to behave in a sort of. I, I, I keep thinking post pandemic, but of course it's not post pandemic. We're still there. We're just we're just changing and it's evolving. But moving from, you know, socially distanced to being socially awkward. Right. Yeah. So so I even saw one question um the other day about whether or not we should be having handshakes or when we come out of things and we're you know allowed to be tactile again, will you be shaking your the hands? of your customers are you hearing people ponder that thought look i even before the pandemic i've always been aware of 
and like to reconfirm my client's culture, the environment that I'm going into. Do we have a meeting room? Do we have audio visual? Who's going to be there? Do we have water? Do we have tea, coffee? Can we get biscuits? I've turned up to meetings where people have had like uh, not even water. I've been there for six hours and I've had and I'm like, thank God I brought my own water. But I think you just have to overlay that with your meeting reconfirmation. All right, what's the procedure when I arrive at the gate? Do I need to have a test that sh- results to show? Or do you have a th- thermometer? To, are you checking my temperature? What's How many people to a room? What's your protocol around receiving guests? And what do you expect as somebody that is going to be in that environment for you to feel safe? You might have your own little checklist. Maybe you have to be prepared with your Purell and your make sure you've got face masks and your own yeah. water cup and your own equipment so that you don't have to be touching other people's things or that you've got wipes for stuff because you can't rely on your client to have like wipes to wipe down keyboards or connections. So you have to be safe, have your own checklist and reconfirm with your client about their protocols. I think that's the yeah. best you can do. And then you make you can compensate for what they're not prepared to deliver that you might want. Or yeah. uh, make a choice about whether you go or not. And I'd say to any sales leaders listening to this to maybe start having these conversations internally with with your team. You know, what what are your team comfortable with? What are your team thinking? You know, are, is there anything that needs to be put in place, or, or or that they need to be having with them at all times to feel more comfortable when they're when they're going out and about? You know, beyond the the guidance that we're being given from from government, uh, that there's got to be some some decisions made internally uh, in the team, hasn't there? Yeah, and what's expensive or not? You know, I know a box of PPE, you know, masks and Purell and perhaps having to now buy bottled water and other things that I might need depending on the role I'm in and, and how frequently I'm on the road and seeing clients or the gaps between what I expect. I might have to be submitting a few more expenses for some of this stuff, you know what I mean? So mm-hmm. I think it's really important for organisations for their field force to be really clear on the guidelines. Yeah. I'm hopeful that most of them are, but don't be afraid to express your concerns. It is a pandemic. This is not being precious. You know, <laughs> we know that it's a health crisis, so you have to be mm. comfortable. Let's talk about expense because yeah. one of the big discussions that's gone on throughout the pandemic has been, you know, wow, we've managed to get rid of the expense of travel because we can't travel. Mm. And now we're coming out of lockdowns and things and we're thinking about getting back to seeing people. And of course, the expense is going to go up because, you know, what we're hearing is a lot of people saying, I just want to get back in front of my clients again. And there's perhaps going to be this flip flop of going backwards and forwards between in and out of working home in in home working environment and back in front of clients and then back at home again. And there's going to be a bit of toing and froing while we figure out what we actually want to do and what our preference is. Where do we think it's going to end up? Because the expense will go through the roof again in terms of travel. And it's not going to be long before the CFOs say, whoa, hang on, slow it down, slow it down. I know you've been locked up for a while, but we need to manage the cost here. So then it will go back the other way for a bit. And like I say, flip-flopping. Where do you think it's going to end up? What's what's going to be the new way of working? Look, in the old days, I would have met a client at the drop of a hat. You know, if I had time in my diary, I'd meet them. I think we've gotten over the hump of, of, you know, virtual meetings. You know, people are very comfortable with them now. And we have operated the world virtually for a long time, you know, for a long time in in sort of retrospect. So I personally think that it's going to be tougher to get travel approved. I think people are going to be like, well, we survived this long. Unless it's important, you're not going. Mm. I think that, and and there's also going to be a deluge of suppliers all trying to get a piece of your client's time. Mm. So it goes back to what we said at the start of the call, uh, 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 the episode is, Make sure it's an important meeting that they want to attend. Mm. And if you tick that box, 
then your boss will approve it and your client will enjoy being there. They'll see the value in it. So I think that's going to diminish a lot of the frequency of in-person meetings because yeah. I could, you know, when you look talk about the time up and back and the wasted, you don't get much change from even a 90-minute meeting. It basically takes me a whole day between, you know, start to finish. So, yeah, that, that's how I see it going. I think less but more impactful meetings. Yeah, I'd, and I'd agree that the term that I keep using actually is that what was traditional will now become tactical. So I guess, you know, we, we, we're coming from a place of, well, traditionally, we get on the road, we go and meet people, we turn up, all of our meetings are face to face. You wouldn't dream of doing a QBR on, we're going to call it that, on a Zoom call. And now we've got to think tactically, tactically from a point of, of uh, protecting our costs and our expenses, but also tactically from an intentional position of, well, if I'm going to go and make the trip, if I'm going to be in front of this person, what do I really want to get out of it? It's no longer just a catch-up or an update. I've got to be intentional. And being mindful of, you know, we've got competition who are also intentional. So being aware of what's going on in the peripherals, you know, who's likely to be swooping in and having those meetings while we've got our head down into, into Zoom or Teams for the day. Other platforms are available. I think we have to say that every now and again. So, yeah, I think, you know, moving from the traditional into the tactical could be a nice way of looking at it and thinking, well, how to be more intentional and impactful. Yeah, and mix it up. I mean, I know as an account manager, running from pillar to post, trying to have these face-to-face meetings with my clients sucked up so much of my time. I don't want to do them in person when they're information sharing or updates. So I would probably even be pushing back on my clients. They're like, oh, we haven't seen you in so long. Let's kind of have the next one as an update. I'd be like, well, you know what? Let's... Use the different modalities at your disposal. You can do a presentation now through video online and you can maybe present two of your four QBRs virtually and two in person. You know, mix it up. It'll keep it interesting for the client, make you more effective. Yeah. Really think about how you spend your time now that because you'll you'll struggle. Like if you've not been on the road for a year and you've been working from home this whole time, not even commuting. Think of all that time you're going to lose once you have to go back to the office, even if it's only a couple of days a week, all that time you're going to lose when you have to go back in front of clients and you're struggling now. Mm. So lose mm. basically two days or three days a week productivity with commutes and client visits. I mean, yeah. you got to watch out. Yeah, totally. Camcast, key account management made easy. Let's think about summarizing here with some important tips and some important points to make. For me, I would probably lead with some reflection. You know, I I think people need to be looking back over the last, you know, 12 to to 14 months as it it nearly is. You know, what has been happening for them? What's been the stuff that they will keep? You know, what's worked in this time that they want to make a permanent fixture in their next normal? So maybe that moment of reflection to say, Right, we're we're coming out of this. We're we're moving back towards normality. But what do I want to keep from this period of abnormal that actually worked for me quite well? That that would definitely be my my first. I'll I'll go to you next. Just sort of on top of that, I think that's a great idea. I think you can export your calendar into Excel into a CSV file. I think actually looking at well, what's the split now between internal and external meetings? What are the meetings that you've had over the past twelve months that have been successful with your clients that you'd like to maybe replicate or do more? Of, what are the ones that you think you would like to continue virtually? So you've got a strategy in place as you move forward. And you're like, okay, this kind of meeting needs to go. This kind of meeting I want to do more of. This kind of meeting needs to be in person. I've got way too many internal meetings. I got to, sh- you know, I think actually doing that's a great piece of advice, actually. Look back on the last 12 months, 
but do it with some data. So export your calendar, not just scroll lazily through the last couple of months, but try to be a bit more scientific about it. Yeah, I like that. I didn't realize you could export your calendar into Excel. That's mm. that's really yeah. useful. I think the next thing that I would probably do, and again, it's another reflection piece based on understanding what I currently know and looking for the gaps, and that's thinking about this decision-making structure and saying to some of our key contacts, you know, I, we're coming out of this, we're getting back to some version of normality. It'd be really good for me just to sanity check that my understanding of the org chart is still valid and is still accurate you know can we just go through an updated org chart when you get a second getting a view of that and then asking the question you know talk me through how decisions are currently being made on how we're going to move forward with stuff so understanding what we know and pinning that out who are my allies who are my enemies Mm. and what do i then intentionally want to do to better that diagram if you like if you were visualizing it and you've got your influencers your decision makers your allies and your enemies you know what do i want to do to get my enemies moving closer towards a positive relationship with me and how does that fit within the you know come back to the last point within the cadence of of meetings now over the next sort of you know few months as we as we start to rebuild and and re-engage so i think there's definitely some reflection that can be done on the decision making structure as much mm. as you know how we we go about things yeah i would agree with you there i think you know you may have lost sight of your relationship strategy maybe your network has stalled, you know, you haven't really developed the relationships or haven't really focused on building new ones or influential ones. So that's a good point. For me, I would definitely focus on the preparation. Get a cake, get some sort of cadence in place, whether it's a, a little meeting plan or a little checklist or a, a list of uh, tasks that you do in preparation for a meeting so that you know, okay, I've got this covered. What am I going to ask? What is the intention? What are people there for? What do I want to leave with? What's my second best if I can't get what I want? What's the next best thing? That type, you know, a handful of questions, just so that you can really make sure that the value of the meeting is clear uh, and send agendas and be intentional. Can't drive that home message enough. Drive, you know, it's being intentional within the meeting is what's going to make the difference between an update and a catch up that's got no purpose and something that actually has you know true true value, not just for for the customer but for you uh, as as well. Yeah. I think being intentional, uh, trying to trying to protect a day a week. One of the things that I used to be really bad with was just saying yes to meetings. I'd think, oh, well, I've got time. I'll do it. I'll say yes. But once we get back into the swing of things and there's meetings left and right and there's still this blend of Zoom and then suddenly you've got to race to an in-person meeting and we may have lost sight of the time it takes you to get from one meeting to another. And you may find there's days of productivity just attending meetings and nothing else. I like to try to keep a day free. If I, I, I would do at all costs to avoid having that day filled up with meetings, internal or external. For me, that's Mondays. It doesn't always work. But basically, if somebody says, on a Monday, do you want to meet? I say, no, I'm busy. Mm. What else you got? And I can set up my online scheduling tools so that it says Monday's always busy. So I send links to clients. They can never book me on a Monday. Yeah. It makes it easy. So think how you can protect some of that time. Just so you're conscious of getting thing, giving you self-time to get things done. Yeah. And then eventually you get to the point where you have a four-day working week, right? Well, I mean, that's the goal. <laughs> that's the dream. And then a three and then a two. And, so. and then a none. <laughs> that's it. And then just finally on the on the C-suite tips again, I think we've, we've already covered off some really, really good stuff. But again, for me, from a reflection point of view, once we've identified who it is that we want to make contact with, identified who we want to engage with, then we've got to think about, well, how are we going to engage with them? What's going to be important to them? 
If I get airtime with them, what are they going to want to hear from me? What questions do I need to ask them? How am I going to make my questions impactful and interesting? All of that stuff. So I think, again, it comes down to planning. If you're going to have that Monday time to yourself, maybe in that time, think about, well, if I get these calls or get these meetings with these people, how's that going to play out? And not leaving it to the last minute, which, you know, invariably, let's be honest, is something that we do. But, you know, actually putting time aside in advance to plan and prepare to be much more intentional and impactful on those on those meetings. Warwick, again, lots to to talk about with you. I'm sure we could have gone through a load more listener questions. I'd encourage anyone listening who's got more questions to send them in and Warwick maybe you'll come back maybe you can be one of our regular revisiting guests uh, on Camcast and we can just keep peeling back layers of this really big topic thank you so much for joining us again on another episode of Camcast tell us again uh, for anyone listening to you for the first time how they can get in touch and how they can find out more about Cam Club very welcome uh, David I would love to be a return guest so hit me up anytime thanks everybody for listening uh, just find me on LinkedIn Warwick A. Brown uh, hit me up I'd love to connect or just follow me over there uh, I am in there daily so yeah reach out awesome Warwick thanks so much Whatever you are planning next when it comes to engaging with your key accounts and however close you feel to a sense of normality, I'd really encourage you to hit the pause button and reflect. What can you do to be more intentional and impactful in your client interactions? How are you going to set about engaging key decision makers that you're yet to meet? Do you have a clear view and understanding of the decision making structure in your key account organization? How are you going to be managing the transition, continuing to be mindful of social distancing without becoming socially awkward? What traditional practices will now become tactical for you? Perhaps you can really relate to the challenge of engaging with C-suite executives. So what changes do you need to make in your approach to improve your impact when building new relationships with high-level decision makers? Like anything we talk about here on Camcast, I really value those opportunities for honest reflection before deciding what to do next. My wish is that something we've talked about today has triggered and ignited some positive action for you. If it has, let us know. I'd love to hear your thoughts, so please do get in touch and let us have more questions. Maybe there's a topic that you'd really like to hear about or a guest that you'd love us to feature. Send it in and we'll do our best to cover it in upcoming episodes. Thank you for listening to this episode of Camcast, a podcast brought to you by camguru.com, one of the UK's leading key account management consulting and training organizations. If you like this episode, we'd really appreciate you sharing it with your connections, giving us a review on your chosen podcast app and letting us know what else you'd like to hear in an upcoming episode. You can find the show notes for this episode on the website at camguru.com forward slash podcast.